I am Greeny, and welcome back to our number two of Get Up. We are live from the seaport. We are brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. And I'm by no means alone today, along with our regular crew that is coming up in just a moment. We've got Stephen A. Smith and Desmond Howard here on one of the biggest games in recent memory coming up. And we begin with our Thanksgiving showdowns tomorrow, starting in Dallas. That's not the first game, but it might be the most interesting. Giants, Cowboys, critical matchup at the top of the NFC East. Dallas, the pass rush, dominant. They've been generating pressure on 40% of dropbacks. That's the best by any team through 10 games since we started keeping track of that statistic. On the offensive side, Cowboys have been great since Dak came back from the injury. They're top five in points, top five in yards per play, top five on third downs. They score more points than anybody when Dak is their quarterback. And now he faces a Giants team that he has historically dominated. Prescott has won nine straight against the G-Men. His QBR in those games, 79. His touchdowns to interceptions, 20 to 3. Here was Dak looking ahead. But Jerry said after the game that that performance convinces him that you guys are Super Bowl contenders. Uh, what, what do you think when you hear the owner of the team talking like that? Uh... I mean, he, I was convinced before. Um, yeah, I mean, he tells you guys a lot of things. I'm not going to get caught up on one of his statements. Um, as I said, we laid a brick last week, a pretty good one. Uh, but we've got to turn the page from that and make sure that we do that again this Thursday and just continue to progress. So they're talking Super Bowl in Big D. I just gave you all the numbers and how they historically dominate the Giants and how Dak historically dominates the Giants. I was just told in my ear that Tony Pollard, the Cowboys' outstanding running back, has been named the NFC's Offensive Player of the Week. So certainly no member of this esteemed panel, Dominique Foxworth, Tim Hasselbeck, or Chris Canty, are going to pick the Giants. Oh, to win tomorrow. Yes, they will. Chris Canty <laughs> likes the G-men. Chris, tell us why. I love the Giants being able to execute the same playing plan that the Green Bay Packers did a couple of weeks ago, which is come out in big people. I mean, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 21 personnel, and run right at those pass rushes for the Dallas Cowboys along their defensive front. If you look at the New York Giants in the games after their previous two losses, they came out and ran the ball 47 times and 44 times respectively. They're going up against a defense in the Cowboys that is 30th in run-stop win rate. The Giants' only path to success in this game is to run the football with Saquon Barkley, the league's second leading rusher. They've got to try, try to stay on schedule. If you listen to Brian Dable, that's what he's emphasized. They can't get in a game where they're forced to drop back 35, 40 times. And I think leading with Saquon Barkley not only helps your offense stay on track, but it also keeps that high-powered offense of the Dallas Cowboys on the sideline. I hear you, and, and I, I agree with you on the formula, but it's one thing not to want to throw the ball a lot. It's another thing not to be able to throw the ball a lot, and you just pointed out they've lost another receiver. I mean, the Giants are playing. It's one thing not to have a lot of weapons. At this point, I'm not sure there's any team in the NFL that has less on the outside right now than they do. Dominique, what do you, Mr. Canty likes the G-men tomorrow. What do you think? Yeah, I think we have drawn the wrong conclusions from the Cowboys' loss to the Green Bay Packers. Yes, the Packers ran the ball well against them, but they also had explosive plays. That's what's going to beat you in the modern NFL, giving up explosive plays. And you know what the Giants have a hard time doing? Because they are down deep on the receiver depth chart, it's creating explosive plays. Saquon is going to have to do it from the backfield or as a receiver. And they're going to be able to find that one player and focus on him and slow him down. And even – 
Though the Green Bay Packers played as good a game against the Cowboys offensively as you can expect, they still entered the fourth quarter down 14 points. So if the Cowboys are able to have a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, you know what the Giants are not going to be able to do? outscore them in that period and win like it just seems like it's too tall a task the Giants are an NFL team with NFL players so anything could happen but it's absurd to me to think that they are going they're likely to pull this upset now Gavin, they're not just an NFL team they're a seven and three NFL team that no one except I guess <laughs> I guess Chris Canty uh, believes in right now so so Tim Hasselbeck help me here because we, we do a, a feature every now and again called bad week or bad sign the Giants looked just awful this past week at home against the Lions. Did you interpret that as just a bad week, or was that a bad sign that the reality is the Giants are what most people yeah. have thought they really are all season long? I actually think that it was just a bad week, but that doesn't mean I'm going to you know, align with Chris on this in terms of thinking that the Giants are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys because I think focusing on you know, the Giants running the football and, and Dallas maybe you know, struggling to stop the run at times, look, that's one thing. The other aspect of it, this is I think we need to put some respect uh, you know, behind what Dallas has done offensively. Look, with Dak Prescott as a starting quarterback uh, in his last 21 games, like they're averaging 31 points. Like I, I think we have to also look at what they are offensively because even if they're not amazing defensively and you're able to eat up some clock and you're able to keep that offense off the field and, look, maybe you find a way to be more productive than you, know, that you were last week against the Lions – you still have to stop this Dallas attack. Who, by the way, look, their backup running, running back, Greeny, you just mentioned it, is NFC Player of the Week. Uh, I think they are really good, and I think Dak Prescott's playing at a high level. And so I think you have to consider the balance that the Dallas Cowboys have. Yeah, Chris, and Tool, I found out this morning that you were picking the Giants to win this game, which I respect. I don't agree with it, but I like to pick. And my, my question, my planned question for you today was going to be, have the Cowboys now established themselves as the team to beat in the entire NFC? What would your answer to that have been? No, I don't think they're the team to beat. I don't think that they're number two in the NFC. That belongs to the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers, respectively. I like what the Dallas Cowboys bring to the party, but I still have concerns about their run defense, Greeny. I really do. And I think this is an opportunity for them to prove me wrong going up against a team that really has no other path to victory other than being able to run the football. So I will say this, the Dallas Cowboys defense is one of the most explosive in the National Football League. But the Dallas Cowboys defense, this team is 1-3 when the Cowboys allow opposing offenses to rush for more than 30 attempts. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out on Thanksgiving Day. But I'm rolling with the G-men in this game. You have made Dominique do funny-looking things to his face. Go ahead, Nick. Final word. I mean, it's just like the, the Cowboys, I, I would say they're number two behind the Eagles, but maybe uh, 1B. This running attack thing is something that we've been listening to for a couple weeks now. The Cowboys do have issues slowing down the run, but they're not built that way. If you listen to what Tim just said a moment ago, is they're the highest scoring team in football when Dak is out there. That's the point. They get a big lead or get a lead and then make you one-dimensional, and they have the best pass rush in football. That is how they are built. That's a good way to win modern football games, to score a lot of points 
and rush the passer really well. Yes, you're going to give up some rushing yards. You can't be great at everything. So if you're going to choose something that you need to work on, then I think in football these days, it's okay for it to be the running attack. I'm sure they want to address it. But right now, they're a really, really good team, and their only weakness is stopping the run. You'd love to have teams run the ball against you every play, especially when you're outscoring everybody and you average 31 points a game with your starting quarterback. They're in good shape. All right, everybody stay where you are. We will have much more time in this hour to look ahead to tomorrow's NFL action. But right now, let's look back at what happened last night. Because when the committee sends out its rankings, it is sending out messages. So let's dive into what those messages were this week. The top four teams remained the same. That's not a surprise. But the pressure point was what would they do at number five? Would USC jump over LSU to number five? And the answer was no. You see it up there. LSU stays five. USC is six. Or LSU moves up to five with Tennessee falling all the way down. USC is six. Alabama with the two losses is seven. Ahead of Clemson. So a lot of messages are being sent. And look who has gotten up with us today. The man who has, without question, the best backdrop of anyone at ESPN. And we'll show it in full in a minute. The great Desmond Howard is up with us. I'll come to you in a minute, Des. But let me start with Heather. Help me interpret those messages last night from the committee. What does it mean that LSU is five and USC is six? It means that if LSU runs the table and beats Georgia to win the SEC championship, they will become the first two-loss team in the history of the college football playoff to finish in the top four. I don't think there's any doubt that LSU gets in because they will have wins against Alabama and Georgia. And to further boost that case, the committee has said that Georgia separated itself from everyone else. So you go and you beat their number one team that separated itself from the rest of the country you're in. On a neutral field, I agree with that. So, Des, assuming you agree with that, that if LSU wins, they're in, then what about Georgia? Does Georgia get in also? Because in your, in your mind, is there any question of that? Because if so, we have set up a scenario where the SEC is taking up two of the four spots. Georgia is a very strong number one. They're a consensus number one. I don't see them losing in the championship game and going out of the top four. If they lose to LSU in a hard-fought game, I don't see the, uh, the selection committee moving them out of number one all the way to five or six. I think that they are very confident in Georgia as a number one team. They've been impressed with, impressed with Georgia's resume and what they've done on the field. So at this point, if they lose the SEC championship game, I do not see the Bulldogs moving out of the top four um, by the selection committee. Guys, nice. so, so we all are in agreement on that. So that means there are going to be yeah. a lot of fans in L.A., a lot of fans in Columbus, Ohio, a lot of fans in Ann Arbor, depending on who, that, that are going to be rooting like crazy for Georgia in that game. Because who gets knocked out? Who is the next one in? If we're looking at one spot, is it a one-loss loser in the Big Ten game? Is it a one-loss Pac-12 champion in USC? Who's the one-loss team that gets in? It's the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game. I go back to the selection committee protocol. If you don't win your conference championship, there are tiebreakers that they use. Conference championship is one. The loser of that game doesn't have it. Strength right. of schedule is another. Michigan certainly doesn't have it. Ohio State could make a case because of the win against Notre Dame. And then strength of schedule, common opponents. I mean, all of those things. Notre Dame is a common opponent for Ohio State. What does, how does USC beat Notre Dame en route to that Pac-12 title? Okay. So all of those things are a factor. So what, what she has just set up for us are the stakes 
of the game this weekend, which candidly never require external motivation, but it's the first time Ohio State and Michigan play each other <laughs> as undefeateds since 2006. So Desmond, I come to you, the world knows you as one of the foremost college football analysts in the business, but of course your heart is still <laughs> in maize and blue. What is your sense of this weekend's game? How does Michigan win this one on the road in Columbus? Well, a lot, a lot of weight is on the uh, decision of um, Blake Corum, the running back for Michigan who got hurt in the Illinois game. If he's able to go, if he's able to play, then obviously that's going to be a tremendous boost for Michigan because he's such a huge part of the offense. We're talking about a guy who, um, going to last week's game against Illinois, was the Heisman front runner, and, and what he means to that offense, I don't even know if you can measure. I mean, you, this guy has 256 touches on the season. The next closest player is Donovan Edwards with 84 touches. So you understand what Blake Corum means to this offense. He's a special talent, um, does a lot on the field, not only as a running back, but he blocks, he catches the ball too. So if Blake is ready to go and he's able to go, the big question is what percentage will he be if he's playing? Is he at 90%? Is he at 75%? But he's such a big part of, of the offense uh, Blake Corum's um, ability or availability on Saturday afternoon is key for Michigan to win against Ohio State. Heather? I have a question for Des. I'm curious, to, do you think that J.J. McCarthy can win this game with his arm if Blake Corum is not able to play? That's Michigan's quarterback, Des. That's a very good question. You, keep in mind, though, it's a one-two punch with Michigan. They're running attack, and that's who they are. They're not a passing offense. This isn't C.J. Stroud in Ohio State. Michigan's going to line up and run the ball at you. So I say it was a one-two punch because there's also Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards is the guy who wasn't available a week ago against Illinois when Blake got hurt, but I think he's going to be available in Columbus. So they're still going to be who they are, Heather. They're not going to turn to some type of passing offense because Blake's not in the lineup. You got C.J. Stokes, you got Donovan Edwards. You're still going to have to do what got you to the party. And so I understand people say, well, can he beat him with his arm? I do think that J.J. McCarthy is a very talented passer, but J.J. McCarthy is also a very athletic quarterback too. And Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator for Ohio State, he addressed that this, this week about being able to corral J.J. McCarthy and keep him in the pocket because they understand he's also a very legitimate dual-threat quarterback, and he can hurt you with his legs too. So can I just point out one thing as we let Desmond go, and we look forward to it this weekend. Can we take the one shot of Des again there, Kalen? Uh, Desmond always sends us subliminal messages with the album that he chooses to put behind him, so he's saying it's going to be a thriller on Saturday in Columbus. I know. I, I, Des, I figured it out. We're going to get a thriller in the game, and that's why he picked that record. You are the best, my friend. Enjoy it. We'll be watching game day this weekend and everything else in advance of an enormous college football weekend. It's rivalry week. As we continue here, Aaron Rodgers had some interesting things to say opening up about his future and what might have been his most telling comments yet. What do they mean for him and what do they mean for the rest of the Green Bay season? Plus, booze for Ben and an inexcusable performance by his team. What did it mean? We'll talk about it with Stephen A. and Woj as they join us as we roll on. It's Get Up on ESPN. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. 
For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals that's dell.com slash deals shopping for mother's day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute but macy's gift finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for mother's day whether you're shopping for your sister's first mother's day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement macy's gift finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both you can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under you can also sort by category like fragrance handbags and more or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma find top brands like studio pro model beats headphones polaroid cameras and samsung smart tvs so what are you waiting for mother's day is may 12th it'll be here before you know it Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Back on Get Up, and it's been a tough year for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They're four and seven. They're seven-point dog Sunday in Philly. Yesterday with Pat McAfee, Rodgers was talking about his future. Sit there and say, oh, no, it's all ball all the time and blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, I don't know. That's not the way I am. Like, like there's, there's life after football. It's been an awesome run. I mean, I'm really proud of uh, what I've accomplished. I don't, you know, I'm not, like, looking forward to the end. And I don't know when that's going to be. You know, I don't know if it's going to be after the season or after three more seasons or whatnot. So that is a man who has been uncertain about his future for some time now and sounds particularly uncertain about it at this moment. Chris Canty, what does all this add up to as you sit and observe what he says and the way this team is playing? This is going to be Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay, guys. I mean, think about it. You're not paying a quarterback $50 million to miss the playoffs. So that's the reality of what's going to happen this year. The Packers are on the verge of shipping the cars to the crib. Green Bay is done this year, and this is a team that's grossly underachieved, and it's not just because of the development of the young receivers, because that's what everybody wants to fixate on. This is a defense that is absolutely atrocious. They're 20th in EPA, and you wouldn't expect that defense to be ranked so low when they have eight first-round draft picks on that side of the ball. So it's clear that this is a team, an organization that's devoid of leadership, and now I think it's fair to question whether the relationship between the quarterback and the head coach has soured, keeping in mind that those are the two central leadership figures within the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, there have been some moments of going back and forth between Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. It's, it's all been somewhat muddy to understand. Dominique, what do you think of that? I mean, I think that when you're losing, you're going to have some friction. That's fine. They can argue, but they've shown their track record over the past couple of years to be pretty successful and pretty impressive. It's shocking to me that people are willing to throw away this entire team and lean into a rebuild after what looks like a rough season. I do agree. Their defense has underachieved. Their offense has underachieved. But they have really good players in all the most important positions, like cornerback. They have one of the best in the league. Left tackle, Bakhtiari, when he's healthy, 
one of their best in the league. They got Kenny Clark and Rashad Gary when he's healthy on the defensive line are very good, along with Preston Smith. And now with Watson, the way he's been playing the past couple weeks at receiver, they might have found themselves the number one receiver that they want or that they had hoped for. And I just think that it's absurd to think that you leaned in on Aaron Rodgers and because this so far this season has been disappointing that it's time to rebuild altogether. They're not that far off from a championship. They're just having a bad season. How about Rodgers specifically, Tim? Like, what have you seen? Because the fall off in Mm -hmm. his play from a guy who's been the best quarterback in the sport for the last several years to what he is right now, what do you see in Rodgers himself? I think the biggest thing I I would say, Greeny, is that um, I I think the thumb injury is probably more significant than maybe we realize because at times he's just – he's missed some throws. I mean, like, we've made a big deal about the receivers and their lack of production, and that's been accurate. There have been times where they've had opportunities to make a play on the football and they just have not. Um, What I thought we would see this year is Aaron Rodgers play at such a level that it would improve or elevate the play of the guys around him with no Devontae Adams. But we haven't seen that, you know? I mean, I think ultimately what's happened is the receivers haven't been great, and then Aaron has missed some stuff, whether it's been reads or whether it's been accuracy of throw. So, look, that... It's just surprising. I I think in some ways, because his dominance at the position had been so significant over the last four years, I I think that in some ways, like, I I don't know how you explain this significant drop in terms of production uh, from the quarterback play in Green Bay. Yeah, he hurt the thumb in London so many weeks ago against the Giants, and he does seem to be constantly holding it. Let me just extrapolate your point all the way through, Chris. If you believe that the time is coming where they need to part ways. Are, are you then one who would, who would be in favor of when their season is really officially over, when they are mathematically out of this, sitting Rodgers down and playing the young quarterback Jordan Love to see what we have in him for whatever reason? Would you be in favor of that? Yeah, I'd be in favor of seeing what you got in Jordan Love. I mean, you've got your bye week coming up. You've got four games after that. See what he can do in that sample size and then make a determination on whether he's going to fit within your long-term plans at quarterback. But regardless of what you find out about Jordan Love, I think the prudent thing for this organization to do is to cut ties with Rodgers. And I get it. Trading him would be a huge cap hit before June 1. It'd be a $40 million cap hit. But we saw the Philadelphia Eagles do that with Carson Wentz last year, and they made the playoffs. They ate $35 million in dead money. We saw what happened with the Los Angeles Rams eating Jared Goff's $25 million in dead money. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Now, I know that Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than both of those guys, but I also know Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old, and we got to stop trying to assign Tom Brady-like longevity and productivity to every single quarterback. Now, it's, a, it's a going to be a very interesting final stretch. Uh, Nick, I'll come back to you, I promise. But let me, let me let you have a little fun here. Let's give this one to Nick because he looks like he needs to have a little fun. Uh, meanwhile, our Planet Earth is brought to you by 365 by Whole Foods Market. This happened last weekend. John Ridgway in uh, what can only be described as a body slam. What was your reaction, Nick, when we saw this play? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's in the wrong sport. Or, I mean, maybe he shouldn't be in sports. He should be in sports entertainment because this is ridiculous. But, I mean, I guess that's what you do. Did he, he got penalized for that too, right, I think? Or he got away with that? I don't yeah. know. 
But uh, it's, it's dangerous stuff, but it's a dangerous game. So I guess it probably feels good to be able to take it out on a running back every now and then. Mine is definitely an uncomfortable laugh as we watch it. Meanwhile, as we continue, uncomfortable for Ben Simmons last night, but an inexcusable performance by his team. We've got Stephen A. Smith and Woj on their way in to talk about that and talk about this. Patrick Beverly trending on Twitter for all the wrong reasons. You'll hear why and what the fallout should be next. Get up on ESPN. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious, meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. We're back on Get Up, and with the football tomorrow, we have the return last night. Ben Simmons back in Philly, eagerly anticipated by everyone in the basketball world, particularly the fans in Philadelphia, and they let him hear it. At 6'10 from LSU, number 10, Ben Simmons. So they booed him every time he touched the ball, and, and then the game was played. And in a game in which the Sixers didn't have any of their stars, the Nets really didn't look particularly good. Here's Simmons' decent moment here as he gets his own rebound and puts it back up. He had 11 points. He had 11 assists. Here he is playing his trademark good defense late in the second quarter. A little poke check steal, and here's Kevin Durant going the other way. He had 20. First game for him under 25 all year long. But the Nets trailed all night long. Bear in mind, Tyrese Maxey, uh, James Harden not playing in this game. Joel Embiid not even in the building, but the Sixers led all night long. Here's Tobias Harris knocking one down, 115-106 Philly. That feels more the storyline than the return of Ben Simmons. But one way or another, here was Simmons after the game. Were you expecting it to be worse? Or? I thought it was going to be louder. Yeah. You thought it was going to be louder? Yeah, I I think it's going to be like this forever. I mean, I don't, I don't really see it changing. But, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, every opportunity to go, you know, especially an experience like this uh, to play in Philadelphia. You know, I haven't played here yet. So, um, obviously, it's, it's one step, you know, in the right direction for me. 
right, so I have a variety of thoughts, but we have the great Woj and the great Stephen A. Smith who are good enough to be here. Thank you guys so much sure. for coming in early this morning. We all have a late night tonight. But, Stephen, let me just start with you. I have so many thoughts on coming out of la- – what is your number one takeaway from Simmons' return to Philadelphia and the Nets somehow losing that game? Well, my number one takeaway in terms of Philadelphia crowd is that I expected them to be considerably worse. Uh, they booed him, you know, profusely. We know that. But, you know, he had there were police officers. You talk about a guy that's worked in Philadelphia 17 and a half years. I saw the environment. I expected it to be vicious. Now, they booed him big time. Make no mistake about it. But to their credit, that's all they did. Mm-hmm. So I think from a fan perspective, we have to applaud the Philadelphia crowd for the class that they showed because people had accused them on many occasions in the past of not exhibiting that level of class. As it pertains to Ben Simmons, I thought that they, I thought he played a decent game. I think over the last four games, we've seen the guy that we were hoping to see when we envisioned him really resurrecting himself in his career. Let me tell you the number one thought that came to my mind. Yeah. It was the most, it was the worst loss by an NBA team this season. It was one of the most disgraceful performances I've ever seen from any NBA team. The Brooklyn Nets should be ashamed of themselves. And I'm going to start with Kevin Durant. How the hell you take 14 shots? How the hell do you take 14 shots? You KD, man. It's Kevin Durant. This man could average 30 in his sleep, okay? Mm-hmm. There is no Joel Embiid. There is no James Harden. There is no Tyrese Maxey. And y'all get beat by that team, get smoked the way that you did. It was a disgraceful performance, incredibly embarrassing. It was a character performance because when you play the way that they played last night every question we've had about the Brooklyn Nets as it pertained to their character their basketball character comes into play that's what I peel from it I was embarrassed and ashamed I felt very very bad for Jacques Vaughn because those dudes showed up there last night and didn't play He's the new coach of the Nets, for those who don't know. And, and, and that, that was, I wouldn't have said it quite as well as you just said it, but that was my thought as well. These return games, I mean, these teams always win. Like LeBron went back to Cleveland and they won because it's important to everybody involved. And the Nets did not play like last night was important, Woj, and that was discouraging in so many ways. Yeah, as Stephen A. detailed, just you look at that Sixers lineup. And listen, Brooklyn the other night against Memphis, against a, a really depleted Memphis team with Two potential all-stars out, Jaron Jackson out. You know, they had to come back in, in the fourth quarter, win that game. This is a stretch for Brooklyn where you're trying to look at this lineup in this team. And what you're asking yourself is, is this worth keeping together? Is this a group that is worth going the distance with that can compete for an Eastern Conference championship, that can compete to get to the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs? And I think what's most troubling for the Nets is if an opponent is willing to play harder longer than they are, they'll probably beat them. And this is a Nets team that is supremely talented. You would think just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving alone with that Philadelphia lineup should be able to go in and win that game and they weren't even in it in the fourth quarter. I will say this. If you remember, at the start of the season, we all do countdown together. And I said at the start of the season, I had the Nets coming out of the Eastern yeah. Conference. We're anticipating that Steve Nash would be fired 
that Ime Udoka would probably come and be the head coach and that they'd go out and get an additional big. The name that I have mentioned is DeMarcus Cousins. Attitude and all. The bottom line is you just need somebody that's nasty, that's a big body, that's going to throw bodies around if necessary because then you could take him and you could put him in the lineup with Claxton against bigger teams, have KD play in the three spot with Kyrie and Ben Simmons and bring a Royce O'Neal off the bench or something like that, of course, with Seth Curry and others. My point to you is that last night, elevated the necessity of that even more. You needed somebody nasty. You needed somebody that wasn't going to sit idly by and watch you get out rebound 45, 49 to 35 against the worst offense, uh, uh, the worst rebounding team in the NBA. Without him, that's with Embiid. Right. And without Embiid, okay, and listen, I like Shake Milton. I like the Anthony Melton. I like the way these brothers play. And I think that when you look at the Sixers squad, they are a formidable threat. We got to give them props. But still, Basketball character matters. And the same dudes that rolled into Philly last year when they wanted to get at James Harden after the trade and blew them out of the building, the same dudes that didn't show up last night. Except this time, Ben Simmons did show up and played a decent game. And KD, of all people, didn't show up last night. It was very disappointing. So so let's answer answer the question that Woj just sort of posed here. They're trying to figure out, is it worth – Riding this thing the distance. I mean, if last, if not last night, then when? Is it worth this team I'm, sticking it out for even I'm, the I'm rest of this gonna year? I'm not going to give up on them because they're too multi-talented. But Woj ain't wrong. The February, the, you know, the trading deadlines of February, Woj, I'd strongly consider it. Let me see how they do over the next month. And then guess what? I'm open to moving some people. Mm. Why? Because, listen, KD already asked out. He already wanted to trade. We know this is Kyrie's last, day, last season in Brooklyn. Okay, it's a failed experiment. If I get to that point, why should I lose guys? That, well, you're not going to lose KD for nothing because you got him guaranteed for three years after this year. But why should I lose anybody? For nothing. If I can get some, you know, a return on my investment, I, I might do it. Yeah, I think for the Nets, is, is there's size out there. And I don't think, I don't think it's the Marcus Cousins. I don't think the Nets' answers are bringing in players who are not in the league right now. And yeah, nobody okay. else is signing. But there, there is depth on the wings for the Nets. I think you, you, you look at the trade deadline. If they want to strengthen this lineup, it's going to be on the front line. I think it'll be interesting, certainly, between now well, and February 9th. Let me ask you this question, Woj. Is, is DeMarcus Cousins out of the league because he's just not good enough? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the reason. I think that he's out because people have questions about him inside their locker room. And I saw what he said to Chris Haynes and these guys the other day in yeah. terms of trying to resurrect himself. But I'm just wondering, is that? I mean, I think, listen, DeMarcus Cousins has gotten opportunities the last couple of years. Denver, Milwaukee. Uh, the Clippers. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised once we get into the 10-day contract area in January if there's not a job for him to come in when there's an injury somewhere with size. Uh, but I think for DeMarcus Cousins, uh, I, I, I'm not sure that anybody's counting on him to come in and, 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 and help him yes. in, a, in a big way. Well, let me segue to one other thing, because you talked about needing somebody nasty. Well, we know someone who fits that bill. When I woke up this morning, the name Pat Beverly was trending, and my first thought was, uh-oh, what happened now? And here's what happened last night in what was a, a Suns win over the Lakers. You just saw it there. Austin Reeves fouled by Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton stands over him, and Pat Bev just comes racing in and takes him out. Stephen A., what was your reaction to that? Patrick Beverly and I go back years. I got a lot of love for the brother. I really do. Automatic multi-game suspension. Automatic. You body check DeAndre Ayton in the back. One. Mm-hmm. Number two, 
repeat offender. That ain't the first time you did it. You did it to Chris Paul, too, in the postseason. Okay, pushed him in the back. You know, I would, I would openly confess to you guys, I would feel much differently if he went around and went in his face mm-hmm. and shoved him. It's the fact that you blind. I mean, you shoved him in the back and you're a repeat offender. I don't want to hear all of this stuff about coming up for your teammates. I don't want to hear that from him. I don't want to hear that from Darvin Ham. I don't want to hear that from anybody. Listen, even though Morris got into it with Jokic a couple of you know, you know a couple of years back in Miami, the fact of the matter, or last year actually, the fact of the matter is, is that you did something to Jokic. Jokic did something back to you. Okay. In this case, there was a play involving Reeves and Devin Booker. Booker. Yeah. Okay. And then, and 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 what does Patrick Beverly have a reason to do that for? There is no excuse for it. It's a multi-game suspension. You can book it. It's coming because the NBA is going to be fearful that you can't allow this stuff to happen. Is that the expectation? I don't know if it'll be multi-game. I think there'll be at least one game. Remember the suspension, Chris Paul, the elimination game in the conference finals. That suspension went into the next season. Mm. It started with opening night. But How many games was that? I think it was one game. Yeah. Okay. I think it was one game. So, yeah, I think there's no question Pat Bev is, is uh, looking at probably a lost game here. All right. So, we bring it in Turkey today. The three of us will be together tonight. We've got NBA Countdown tonight. Jalen will be here. Michael Wilbon will be here. We'll, we'll do something Thanksgiving-y uh, to get us <laughs> through today. But the, we'll bring in some food. food. Maybe Carmen can bring something in. I, not I, I'm not, not asking. Not one way or another. Stephen A's got some business before that in 20 minutes. First take on the air. Thank you so much for this, Stephen A. Appreciate it. Again, the doubleheader tonight is really good. we got good games. we got the Celtics and the Mavs in our early spot. So, that's Jason Tatum against Luka. And then we got Steph and the Warriors taking on the Clippers. We will begin your night with NBA Countdown 7 Eastern tonight right here on ESPN. All right, coming up, it was an awful performance followed by an even worse press conference, and it leads to one big question. Should the Jets bench Zach Wilson right now? We will. Yeah. Stephen A. says yes. We will answer it next. And then we'll see if uh, Neat can answer this from Sneaky Hembo. Who was the all-time winningest quarterback against the New York Giants? It's a good question. The answer is next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Dominique Foxworth, here we go. The Giants play tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys. Who is the all-time winningest quarterback in games against the Giants? All right, it's got to be a divisional opponent, presumably, that played for a long time. So I'm thinking Romo, Aikman, McNabb, somebody like that. I'm going to go with Donovan McNabb. Mm, That's not right. 
It's Roger Starback. You were right about it being... You know, you knew that Hembo was going to go to Cowboys Giants on this day. You got to think like Hembo. He went directly to the matchup of the great Roger Staubach. So that's one question for Dominique. Let's see if he can answer some more. I don't know the question you're trying to ask. Be better tomorrow. I'm not answering that. That's a clown question, bro. Next. Next. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? What else do you want to know? Next question. Your next question. Next question. Next question. I'm not going to answer any questions for you. That's my question! The question, jerk! All right, here we go. This time, there are no wrong answers from Dominique Foxworth. I have a series of hard-hitting, provocative questions, and he's going to answer them. Let's start with this. We got Michigan-Ohio State for all the marbles this weekend. Got us to thinking, what is the best rivalry in the NFL right now? I think it's got to be Cowboys-Eagles because rivalries are about stakes. And right now, the stakes in that matchup are really high. You can go back to, like, Ravens and Steelers. But though that matchup is going to be intense, I don't feel like it's going to be – the stakes are going to be nearly as high as this divisional matchup between the Cowboys and Eagles. They may be playing for the one seed in the NFC. And with the history that these, these teams have, I'm looking forward to it. I'm with that. The only other one I was thinking of was maybe uh, Bill's Chiefs, I feel like, has become like one of those statement games and and could decide a lot. But I'm with you on that one. All right, next. Which coach-quarterback tandem from the NFC do you trust the most in the playoffs? We have lost, Dominique. I've finally done it. All these years, I've tried so hard to ask questions that would just put him into such a tizzy that he literally couldn't move, that we actually did it. He is now frozen in place. And look at him. I mean, look, look, at the, look at the suffering no. that he is doing. Uh, all right, I think we got it. I don't know what's going on. Which coach? <laughs> all this right, is I very think I got reference. Pete Carroll and Geno Smith. Oh, Pete Carroll and Geno Smith. Tell me why. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Pete Carroll's led this team to uh, the Super Bowl on a couple different occasions, so you have to give him respect there. And Geno Smith is playing as well as just about anybody in football. I think uh, you could look at some other quarterbacks or other coaches, but it feels like there's uh, a little bit of a question mark. If you look at Tom Brady, the coach situation is not nearly as solidified as Pete Carroll is in uh, Seattle. All right, fair enough. And then let me give you one more here. Our Football Power Index says the likeliest Super Bowl matchup is Cowboys-Chiefs. So I'm telling you right now, one of those two teams, but not both, is going to make it. Which one would you tell me is going to get there? Got to be the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs were a game away last year, and the two previous years they were there. So given that they still have that guy, Patrick Mahomes, playing quarterback, and their coaching staff is pretty stable, I got to say that if I have to pick one of those teams, even though the AFC is probably tougher, I have more faith in uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and that guy, Travis Kelsey, who seems unguardable. Now, seems right. Cowboys, tough top of the NFC. Chiefs, we'll see if they wind up getting that one seed. All right, in the meantime, one of the big stories around the NFL right now, and I have been consistently working my phone this morning trying to get some news out of the camp of the New York Jets where Coach Robert Sala has a huge decision 
to make. Does he put Zach Wilson on the bench for this weekend's game against the Bears after Wilson not only played just terribly against New England last week, uh, but also seemed to take no responsibility for it after the game was over? Again, the, the statistic is just unimaginable. The Jets averaged less than three inches per play in the second half on offense. It was a complete offensive no-show, and yet somehow the quarterback was even worse after the game than he was during the game. So, Chris Canty, the question is simple. Do they need to bench Zach Wilson? They absolutely need to bench Zach Wilson. And I get that there is some concern about losing your second-year quarterback, but you also have to be concerned if you're Rob Sala of losing credibility with the guys in your locker room because you have to have players be accountable in order to do their job. And with the quarterback, the hopes and dreams of everybody in that locker room rest with that dude. I rely on Zach Wilson to play at a high level in order to feed my family. And so I think there's a little bit of frustration bubbling over with not just the guys on the defensive side of the ball, but players on the offensive side of the ball, Garrett Wilson included. And so I think that's the situation now that Rob Sala has to balance. It's a it's a tightrope. You know that this is an organizational decision, so it just won't be on the head coach. But I think the right thing for this franchise right now is to bench Zach Wilson and force him to be accountable for poor performances. So, Tim Hasselbeck, you understand the, the mentality, the psychology of the quarterback. Yeah. If they do bench him now, do you feel like that – would be it. Is, is there any coming back from that for Wilson with this team? No, I don't think so. And that's why I actually don't think you, I mean, listen, you can, but it just means that you are making your decision right now that you're done with them. And you think about the people that would have to make that decision are the people that drafted them. And look, they already pressed reset at the position when they moved on from Sam Darnold to Zach Wilson. So look, I, here's what I would say in terms of losing the locker room. Like I, I get it because I do think like there is accountability and all of that stuff. But also, every guy that's playing in the National Football League understands that quarterbacks that are drafted in the top 10, not even just in the top two, they get a different leash. There's a different set of, I guess, you know, rules or runway to prove that you can play for those players. You know, it's not like Robert Sala is saying, like, hey, guys, just trust me, I believe in him. What he's saying when he plays Zach Wilson is, Guys, we all bet on this guy being a really good player. We need him to pull himself out of it. That's why we're continuing to to go with him. Look, if, if Taylor Heineke was playing like this, he wouldn't be in the lineup. Like that's just that's how it works. And I think people understand that, even guys in the Jets locker room. Yeah, uh, but but th- there comes a point where you might have a mutiny on your hands. And so, Dominique, I I, I just want to set the. The, the understanding of everybody of what we're really talking about here. Like, this is Ryan Leaf territory. This is the second pick in the draft. And because of poor performance and attitude issues, we'd be talking about a team giving up on him a year and a half into his career. They make a 30 for 30 about this someday. Nick, what's your perspective on it all? Yeah, I, I think Tim's right is that players do understand there's a longer leash on a quarterback like that, but I also think that Zach understands that he's not playing well. So I think maybe if you bench him, you lose him, but I'm completely fine with losing this version of Zach Wilson. They need a different guy and a shock to his system, a shock to his psyche, a shock to his confidence maybe is something that will help him become the player that they need him to be later on in his season or next season. But I don't know, I don't understand how you can watch what's gone on up until this point and still feel like let's just keep going with how we've been doing things and maybe 
something will change in his heart or in his mind or, or in his ability. I think that's uh, – oh, oh, we got a, an excited Canty. I don't want to miss that. I, I got literally 20 seconds. Chris, go. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you bench him and you lose Zach Wilson, then he wasn't your franchise quarterback anyway because he doesn't have the mental makeup in order to take your team where you want them to go. And furthermore, it's not just about the lack of production. It's about the lack of awareness. When you start talking about not letting the defense down after your offense has two yards of total offense in the second half of a divisional game, that's absolutely ridiculous. They're trying to do a hard thing, which is develop a quarterback and, and win big games at the same time. Uh, it couldn't be going worse. Again, we expect some news out of there. The coach has a press conference <laughs> at 11.30 Eastern time. We'll hear something uh, certainly by then. In the meantime, first take is coming up here top of the hour. They'll have much more on that. We'll talk more from Stephen A. on the Sixers, how they spoiled Ben Simmons' return to Philly. Plus, what is the Super Bowl matchup that he would be most thankful for? First take, top of the hour here on ESPN. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. College basketball, we have the Maui Gym, Maui Invitational Championship game. We got Creighton in Arizona. That's today, 5 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. All right, before we wrap for the day, let's one more time show everybody the upset alert. Chris Canty, I got 15 seconds. How are the Giants going to upset the Cowboys tomorrow? But running straight at the Dallas Cowboys defensive front, no fair dodging. Don't allow those athletic pass rushers to play the pass. Force them to play the run. They showed they're not about that life in Lambeau Field. That's the blueprint for the Giants to pull off the upset. All right, we're able to see if they're able to do it. We've got three really good games tomorrow. Detroit's going to give Buffalo all they can handle, and then Patriots-Vikings is the night game. Neek, Tim, Chris Canty, Thank you, fellas. An outstanding morning. We'll see if we get news from the Jets at any point. Stephen A. and company will have that for you as First Take starts right now.